0: Of remembering how to do church, we joy filled in for us several weeks, um, which we appreciate. And thanks for, but uh, Joy's voice is a little bit higher than Steve's, which you may have noticed, and so we still had it, you know, eq'd for Joy. And so, but we fixed it. All right. Uh, I very much appreciate that. As a church, you guys are ridiculously gracious. Uh, to little things that don't always work smoothly and whatnot. This tends to be um, just a beautiful group to say, hey, we're family, and we're going to roll with it. Um, and it just makes serving so much uh, funner, more, more funner. not my English is... Also, I don't know why they ever let me speak publicly, because my English is horrible some days. Um, but it was, it's more funner to be here. Uh, Alright, so in this practice, right, the idea um, of things becoming uh, meaningful and significant. One of the things, even, you know, and I've shared this a lot coming in uh, to a Methodist church, not being Methodist, there are certain things, uh, and be like, oh, this is really important. And I'm like, okay, well, why? And, and not, like, as an as a opposition, like, well, why? I don't see the meaning of this. But, like, really out of curiosity, because some of my practices and traditions and in faith and expression and services, we didn't have all of the certain components. Uh, and and the why is really a curious, like, help me to understand. And if I can understand meaning and significance, then, then we can kind of bring it up and bring it into the service. Uh, there's been a few things which we have. I'll let kind of fade away in some of the Methodist practices you, you may be familiar with. And hopefully nothing that's left people with grievance. But, but some of the things, like, get, explain to me, why is it so important to be a part of service? And I get, oh, I don't know. It's just always been here. I'm like, about, how does it tie into our faith? I don't know. Okay, but, but where does it fit in, in, in the liturgy and in the service? You're like, well, we don't know. I'm like, I can't, I can't bring it in if I don't understand um, the significance to it. Um, and so, in one of the, even in this process, right, we talk about spiritual disciplines and, and we're going to use the words practice, right? Discipline sounds a little bit more regimented because um, more the idea that, that we're, well, we're going to practice. Um, practice doesn't necessarily mean perfect, right? You've, you've heard that probably. But I'm kind of reclaiming that in the realm that practice makes possible. So, oh, Pastor, I'm not very good at praying on a regular basis. That's okay. Let's practice. Not because we're searching for perfection. Thou shalt pray perfectly and be, you know, but but let's practice it a little bit. And and maybe it'll become possible. Um, A lot of times, and I do this somewhat intentionally, is uh, when, when we learned PowerPoint, there became this process where all of the scripture text was always on the PowerPoint. And what it did is it created a culture where I don't need to bring my Bible to church because all the scripture is going to be on the screen. Um, You may notice I don't put a lot of the scripture on the screen because I actually think if if maybe you just one day a week church on Sunday, you do this that maybe somewhere during the week you might repeat it. Maybe Monday through Saturday you're sitting at home and you actually go wouldn't that be phenomenal? Uh, So I don't I don't, I don't put a lot of the scripture text. Uh, and that's even with intention, because I, I just think, let's let's practice opening our Bible. And, and maybe it'll be something that catches on. And wouldn't that be fabulous? Uh, so practice makes possible. Uh, when I was in the military and then also in baseball, we also argued, uh, if you practice poorly, you will perform poorly, right? so the practice does somewhat become important because as we practice and so it was always you know perfect practice makes perfect not practice makes perfect because if you practice poorly you will perform poorly so so but in this we're gonna we're gonna try to stay playful as we explore things um i came out of the non-denominational background which was really this process of um, kind of getting away from higher institutional. Um, but, but what came out of that too is this um, mass exodus from rituals. And what's interesting is you, you watch kind of the non-denominational independent church movements. They are now at a slower, and this really started to creep in a little bit in the 70s, but really took off through the 80s and 90s, the growth of, of non-denominational churches with the absence of of rites and rituals. Um, And over the last decade, we found these groups going, but now we're hungry for substance. Like, we we got rid of all of those. It's kind of the idea of throwing the baby out with the bathwater. We're we're looking for meaning and almost trying to recreate some rituals to, to add meaning, because rituals become kind of waypoints that add direction. But again, with the rituals... If if it's something you don't understand or a why, why does this have significance? Why does this have meaning? We're just doing it to do it. Well, that's not adding to our spiritual life either. So there's this this tension, and I think even sometimes going like, let's just break down this ritual. Let's talk about it so we can regain an understanding. And almost every ritual that was ever started in a church was done for a reason. Someone didn't come up like, just one day, like, let's do this for no reason at all. Right? There was somewhere within a congregation and a group of people there was this, this practice that took place that had significance to a person and then it got repeated and then it became a ritual um, I am not a fan of ritual for ritual's sake, I will definitely if I don't understand meaning it, I, I, it's gone um, but I do want I like certain rituals, there are certain practices that can really become meaningful um, and the idea of it that with the ritual, we're bringing this intention. And most of the practices, whether it's a cross or a candle, um, a rosary in your pocket, it's designed to help the people remember either something that God has done or maybe it's even just a, a reminder to pray. There is that. I remember in the 90s when I started stamping out evangelist group, uh, a small little uh, metal cross, and the idea is that you would carry it in your pocket, and and everyone's like, did you guys do that, anybody remember kind of the cross in your pocket, and it was just that, as you go about your day, you stick your hand in to pull out some change or whatnot, and you feel this cross, and you're like, oh yeah, I believe in God, it's a great reminder, (laughs) oh yeah, I'm supposed to be praying for somebody, and it wasn't that those who carried a cross in their pocket was more spiritual, right? Or that the cross is somehow sacred and it's going to protect you from evil demons and this and that and, and bring you prosperity, right? That the cross was not this woo, but it was it was what it did. As you touched it as a human, it triggers a mind or a thought to bring about this remembrance of God, and that's the idea around rituals and rites and practices. It's to encourage us to remember. Uh, Doing a quick search, sometimes I like this. Uh, The idea of or the word remember or to remembrance, remembrance, is used 253 times in scripture. Over and over to say, just remember what the Lord has done. Make this monument so you don't forget and your children don't forget. Um, is there something sacred about that monument? Is that a, like a holy shrine? That's It is. It, it has intention to us. Um, sometimes we like the idea of um, certain emblems or symbols like the cross that somehow there's this power ascribed to it. Uh, but most things, it has power if we give it power. And if we just dismiss it, well oh, that has no meaning to me i'm going to disregard it i'm going to then, then those things don't have power and i would argue that maybe in our modern age with you know insta coffee and instant and uh, all those other like we, we get away from some of those rituals and some sometimes we need with ritual we also need to create space for the ritual in the spiritual direction training program I'm in, they um, again it's it's a Catholic school, so some of the, the their rituals and whatnot are, are a bit further, and and I'm having to learn some, and so I'm like, okay, I can see value in that. And there's a few that I'm still like, I don't get. Um, like <laughs> I mean, I heard your words and I understand your words. That's not what I get. I just I don't get the practice. So you know, because I'm like, I don't get. It. Like, well, let me explain it to you again. But, no, no, that's not what I need. <laughs> I've read the text. I've heard you. Um but but they're really um one of their practices is the idea of really setting up um an altar either within your home or your office, some sort of dedicated space that is other than your your regular daily pieces. Right? Because we need to decide, we, we need to have like space also matters. Uh, and this is where the ships are coming. Um, so today is, is with intention. We've talked about intention a lot within this congregation since I've been here. But a shift is literally, um, and they're also what's interesting, psycho development, brainwave patterns, they're teaching this within leadership development now also. So you're in a meeting, and you're having a meeting with you know managers or, or whatnot, and things happen in that meeting. And it puts you in a state, energy-wise, emotion-wise, and mentally in a state. But then you go into another meeting, and you carry all of that from that one meeting into your next meeting. And so they're actually teaching to do now is within leadership structures to do an intentional shift. So I have a meeting with Steve, and maybe it's a good meeting, and I'm excited, and I'm bringing that into the next meeting. Maybe it's a bad meeting, and I'm like, you hit a wrong key, sir. I wouldn't know. Um, right? <laughs> Uh, but but now I'm bringing that, I'm carrying that into whatever's next. And so a shift is to just kind of create space between one thing and the next thing. And so you can use breathing techniques to go, oh, I'm going to go from one meeting to the next. I'm just going to take two minutes and I'm going to do a breathing ritual or exercise. And it helps me to shift my energy. It helps me to shift my mind. Um, sometimes literally they would say physically just if you're sitting in one chair and you're going to another meeting and it's in the same room, just get up and change seats. It's enough to just, just that little thing to, to shift your mind that I am now moving to a different space. It's a shift. Is there something more sacred about that other chair? Is that a better chair to lean from than the first chair you were in? No, it's just creating a shift. I think within faith tradition too, as we pray, sometimes we, we kneel when we pray. And that's just the shift. Does God hear me better if I pray from my knees than if I pray standing? Does he hear me better if, if from my, my seat, my living room, or my car? No, but something about a shift Allows us to bring intentionality to a space. Say, I'm going to shift. I'm going to pray from here, and and it just puts me in. A, but it also comes with some intentionality. It allows me perhaps to be more focused, which is what anchors are, right? So as we start to be playful with our spiritual practices and look at things, how we pray or read scripture, or whatnot, shifts and anchors. Now, if I have my favorite seat at home. And that's where I watch most of my TV, or I sit and I play on my phone, and all of that. And I decide, hey, I'm going to do some spiritual practices, because Pastor kind of encouraged us to open our Bibles or whatever, I'm going to go do that. Uh, but I do that in the same spot, that I kind of do all my other things. Where will my mind be? Will my mind be like, no, oh, i got to hurry up and read this so I can watch like the next show that i want to watch or so i can check my messages and check my email am i just doing this for the sake of doing it so i can get to my next thing maybe that's not the best place maybe i need to shift towards some sort of sacred place again but just meaning that this place has intention to it that i can be more focused there's a visual cue that that oh as I get distracted, oh, I didn't email that person, or I didn't email, oh, that, and I look up, and, oh, yeah, <laughs> the cross I'm supposed to be like, focusing on Jesus and God right now, not my email, right? So they're, they're, is there anything sacred about this? I would say yes, because I just got it yesterday, actually. We're walking around an antique store, and I walked by it, and I was like, oh, I really like that. Like, there was something about it that, like, I was drawn to. Um, I'm also cheap, so I don't like buying things. So I'm like, oh, that's interesting, and I kind of looked and you know held it light light, and then I left it and walked away. In my mind, I'm like, well, if somebody else comes by, buys it, while I'm walking away. You know, it's perfect. I don't have to. I don't have to buy it. Uh, and went back. And, yeah, I, it is ridiculous. I, don't, I mean, it wasn't even. It was an antique store. It wasn't even that much, but it took a lot for me to actually pull the trigger. But I just liked it. I liked that it's sort of abstract. The colors blur into each other. that It's not crisp, and and, and I kind of feel like that's most of my spiritual walk with God is is a little bit murkier and undefined, and so so there's something about it that drew me to it so is this a sacred object? well, for me I think it is, right? I mean, it's not powerful, it doesn't have, you know, magic, but but because it, it drew me it's something that I can use, it may not might be looking at like oh there's a little blotch over here so you know totally clash with my hat whatever right we're not trying to impose these things and like oh you now we all have to have one of these if you're a member of westmoreland united methodist you will all have one of these in your home um and if i come to visit you and i happen to notice that it is not in your home um right so this is this is where things become useful when they're useful to us. But what's useful to me may be different than what's useful to you. And there's this freedom and permission in our walk with God to be playful around these things. Um, some other ships and whatnot that, that help. Uh, my Catholic friends also, I'm going to use this word, not Europe, but they they call it the bells and smells. So they have their incense, they have the bells, they have their rituals, and they just like, oh, I just love all the bells and smells. Uh, And, and, and that, but, but sometimes we use noise too. I'm going to move. This is a, this is a, an intentional time I'm going to set aside for 10 minutes to read scripture or pray. And so I'm going to use even just sound to start this process. And I'm going to let it, even as the music fades, I'm going to try to let my energy become more peaceful and let go of all the world around me so I can be in this space. but that wasn't very loud. Let me do that again. Now, if that's an annoying sound to you, don't use it. Right? If it it helps you to start a prayer time or a scripture reading time or a practice of gratitude, um, again, it's it's this idea of carving out from our busy world this space for this intentionality around our spiritual practices. Sometimes we use a candle um, and we light these two during our response time to represent family members we're praying for. Now is there something sacred about fire? Does God hear our prayers better when something is burning? But as I sit here, and if I'm praying here, it does. As I get distracted, it does give me an opportunity or a focal point to bring my attention back to, or an anchor. And these are just focusing tools. These are things that we can incorporate. Now I'm going to tell you in my younger years, and I saw like maybe some of my older uh, senior saints, and they had all of these kind of shrines set up around their house, or. I was like, oh, "That's so weird," because you know, you can. Jesus is everywhere. I don't need a candle and a cross thingy and a noisemaker to, you know. I just, I just pray to God whenever. Like God's fully accessible to you, and and it's not just in these sacred places and, and almost this this. I don't even arrogance it me like. Well, I'm more spiritual than that because I don't yeah. need that to pray to God. Right? I don't. I don't know. I, I, the thinking was, but um, as I'm older and dealing with more things and more distracted, I I find more meaning in these because it helps me to come into a space. Can you have a meaningful spiritual practice without all of these? Absolutely. Will one of these kind of ideas of either having an icon that focuses your attention or use of a candle or, or some sort of sound to designate your space... Can it help you? Maybe. And this is where I want to encourage people to be playful. Play play with, like maybe you don't use candles, but this week, try using a candle during your prayer time. See if it helps. If it doesn't, don't do it. Right? But but to be playful, to explore, because sometimes it it helps us to grow in these things. I want to read um, Joshua chapter 4. Uh, this is where uh, the Israelites are going into the promised land. Uh, and they are crossing the Jordan River. Right, So if you remember the story at all, uh, the Jordan River is at flood season. They're supposed to cross this whole army. They're like, how are we going to do it? And they're praying about it. And, and God basically says, go anyways, but send the priest and the Ark of the Covenant first. Right? This is their most sacred thing. They're like, So you want us to put our most sacred element into a flood river. Right? Like, th- th- for me, I'm starting to like analyze, okay, what's the water flow per minute? Like, you know, I, I'm going to this whole risk assessment piece. It's like, no, no, just trust God. And so they did. And as the, the priests carrying the Ark of the Covenant on their shoulders stepped into the river, the, the river stopped. And and God's like, this is a special moment that you should remember and your children should remember. So he gave them instructions. Uh, Joshua, uh, chapter 4, verse 1, says, When the entire nation had finished crossing over the Jordan, the Lord said to Joshua, Select 12 men from the people, one from each tribe, and command them, Command them, take a stone from here out of the middle of the Jordan, From the place where the priest's foot stood, carry them over with you and lay them down in the place where you will camp tonight. So Joshua summoned the twelve men from the Israelites, whom he had appointed, one from each tribe. And Joshua said to him, Pass on before the ark of the Lord your God in the middle of the Jordan, and each of you take up a stone on his shoulder. So these aren't small rocks. (laughs) Take up a stone on your shoulder, one for each tribe of Israel, so that this may be a sign among you. And when your children ask in time to come, what do these stones mean? Then you shall tell them that the waters of the Jordan were cut off in front of the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord when it crossed over to the Jordan. And the waters of the Jordan were cut off so that these stones shall be to the Israelites a memorial forever. Right. So sometimes it's like, take these stones, and and then when you're on the other side, pile them up where you're going to camp. Well, why are we doing that? Just so you don't forget so you don't forget. And and maybe in years to come, you're, you're, you're walking from one town to another town and your kids are with you and they see these piles of rocks. And we're like, why are these rocks piled up like this? Oh, let me tell you the story. Because at one point, God showed up in an amazing way. Right? Are those stones sacred? Are they powerful? Do they have some sort of magic attached to them? Well, if they're just a pile of stones, no. If it's a memorial, if it draws our attention and our energy and our focus, if it is something that is set apart for a purpose, then yes, it's meaningful. It has value to it because it's something that we can use to draw our attention. Uh, Psalm 77, 11 through 15 says, I will call to mind the deeds of the Lord. I will remember your wonders of old. I will meditate on all your work and muse on your mighty deeds. Your way, O oh God, is holy. What God is so great as our God? You are the God who works wonders. You have displayed your might among the peoples. With your strong arm, you redeemed your people, the descendants of Jacob and Joseph. I will call to mind your deeds. I, I, also, I love the use of the word there. I will muse on your mighty works. I'll just I'll ponder them. I'll, I'll allow it to inspire creativity and, and thought and, and drawing. in. I I'll use all these things. So, what spiritual practices do you do on a daily basis? What do you incorporate into your week, perhaps? Are there things that maybe you've been doing forever that has lost meaning? I don't know why I do it every day, but I get up and do this. <laughs> uh, are there things that you used to do and like oh I remember when I actually used to like pray and journal on a daily basis I found that so valuable but somehow life gets in the way, kids, work and oh, it's been years since I've done that maybe that's something you pick up this life and say you know what I'm just going to pick up my journal again and at the end of that I'm going to start writing and whatnot. Like, so maybe maybe there's something you used to do that you remember maybe you're, you're more playful I'm like you know what I'm Willing to try something I've never done before. Might even like candles and chimes and whatnot. It's weird, but, but whatever. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give it a try. And my hope is that you'll find something that resonates with you, something that draws your heart and soul back to connecting with the mighty God who wants to know you and wants to be known by you. That's the hope, that's the goal of all of these practices. Today is a Communion Sunday. And even this we do in in remembrance. We do this in remembrance, with intention. Like, well, why do we eat bread and drink a little juice cup once a month? That seems silly. And we can be dismissive about this. And it can become just another ritual. Because if we go to church and that's what you do. You know, stand up, sit down, stand up, repeat these words, eat a piece of bread. Uh, or, as a spiritual practice, as a spiritual discipline, attaching intention to it to remember that this bread represents Christ's body, which was broken for us. All the sorrows he endured on our behalf, and when we take it, we are choosing to, to acknowledge some affiliation with the man of sorrows who died on the cross for us. So we take this little juice cup, which is to represent the blood of God, which the blood is that that forgiveness piece washes away our sins. This is this is the powerful element to, to remind us: yes, it's the celebration. Of what God has done, the victory that Jesus died on the cross, but He rose again and will come back. But it, it's also—it's oh, my sins. It's a, a repentant process, Lord. I know, even you know, from the last time I took communion, I know I've—I've I've messed up at times. I haven't always had good thoughts about people. I've had judgments. I've been dismissive. I've been too busy. I this or that. Or, you know, in my anger, I sinned, and 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 it's this repentance and this acknowledgement that our salvation lies in the work of Christ in our lives so this is also a spiritual practice this is done in remembrance of what Christ has done for us so as we close the service I want to really encourage you to be prayerful um, and curious and playfulness Lent, what practice might you incorporate into your daily ritual? And then during the song, you're free to come up and participate in this spiritual practice, which the method is observe an open communion, which means everybody's welcome to come and participate and to take. We do ask that you come with respect and reverence as we remember the work that Christ did on the cross to bring us this forgiveness draw us in and all of these again I want to bring back to this all of these practices is that you could know God and be known by God let's pray Father God I thank you so much that you are a God who wants to know us to draw us in Lord I pray that these things would just be helpful whether it's a chime a cross an icon a candle a candle Lord, even these elements which represent your work on the cross, this bread that we give thanks for, representing your broken body, your love for us demonstrated in human action. Lord, this juice which represents your blood to bring us forgiveness, to restore us into a right relationship with you. But I thank you for that. I long Connected in communion with you. I pray this in your name. Amen.